Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and here with me as always is my awesome co-host. See? Co-host. I'll take that. <laughs> I've been promoted. <laughs> been promoted from the cleaner and the dude that does all the editing to co-host. Or technical advisor, I would have said. <laughs> <laughs> does it come with a pay raise? No. Okay, so still getting paid nothing. <laughs> but co-host it is. Co-host. So, co-host oh. Matt, welcome. Thank you. And even bigger welcome because today we're talking about you. <laughs> My favourite subject. Exactly. So very, very excited. So I am going to be interviewing Matt today, which Whoa. I'm very excited about. As it doesn't happen very often where I get to ask all the questions and you have to answer them. Turn the tables on me. Yes. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so we're going to be going with the theme of this season, obviously, which is secret, oh, secrets. Oh, God. This has started so well. This is why I don't moderate. <laughs> Success leaves clues. So with that in mind, Matt, I know we have done an episode on your history mm. of weight loss before. That would be episode one. Was it one? One, yep. Was mine two? Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. Because we had an episode zero to start with, That's which is right. the uh, what the hell's this show about? Yes. And then uh, the first two episodes were myself and yourself and our, our backgrounds. Stories, yeah. yes. Perfect. So if you want to hear... That one as well, go back through our website, which is theweightlosspodcast.com and go to episode number one and you'll be able to hear Matt's story. Yeah, we'll have more detail on that. We're not going to go into it in in hyper detail again here because we're just repeating ourselves. Correct. But I know there there are some things that Courtney wants to circle back on, I believe. Now, full transparency, I don't exactly know what she's got in store for me here, but that's also part of the fun is that she puts me on the hot seat. So I'm fine with that. Perfect. I'm glad you find me that because that's the way it's going to go. So. (laughs) Very good. I want to, yes, bring up part of your history, Matt, because I think that it is such a powerful story. And I think that it's going to just give context for the rest of the episode. So going, yes, with a very sort of, Simplified version of your weight loss history. Can you start with where, like, where you started, sort of gaining all of your weight? What age, and what sort of weight did you get up to at your height? My height or my weight? Your peak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um, I, I remember back now. I'm not. I'm not as young as I used to be. No, but were you were overweight child. So how no, young do you I, remember? I, well, actually, I was not. No. I was not an overweight child. Uh, always always taller than most and, you know, fairly fairly thinnish. Started sort of stacking it on pretty much teenage years. Mm. 
So I became uh, less active. Mm. I used to play sport when I was very young and be you know, a very active young boy. And the activities became less and less and less. So I would be swapping things like skateboarding, bike riding, playing soccer, etc., for <clears throat> video games. And one might say <laughs> that's the way it's remained. But just became more sedentary and I suppose really didn't, there was no sort of moderation on the food I was eating. So for example, ice cream once a week for dessert, like a special treat once a week, eventually became literally every night. Mm. Same thing with uh, fast food, takeaway, etc. Goes from being something I would have every now and then to being a staple, as we like to say. So, you know, we've got bonus foods, we've got staple foods. Yes. And obviously things like ice creams and hamburgers and fast food, etc. Well, they're not ideal for health, etc. But they went from me from being bonus foods to staple foods. Yes. And so when you combine that, that those sorts of choices becoming more more regular with far less physical activity is the perfect storm for blowing up, you yes. might say. So through my teen years, it's got fatter. Like I'm not going to say bigger, it's fatter, let's be honest. So fatter and fatter and fatter. And the heaviest I got to was 180 kilos, which is around about 380 pounds for our American friends. At what age? 18. Roughly 18. Yep. And you stayed at that weight for. Yes, a long I'm proud. Time? I'm proud to say I sustained my results. Yes, right. <laughs> so stayed stayed at the balloon weight for some time. Into your twenties. Yeah, well into my twenties. Well into your twenties. Yeah. So sure. at what age did you have that sort of snap moment of making a change? Uh, as in like a change that actually stuck and did something meaningful. I've had a couple of snaps. I know you've had a couple of snaps, but just the first snap point was... Well, the first sort of wake-up call was being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. At the age of... 21. 21. 21. So hospitalised, uh, I lost my vision, so I couldn't see anything. Like Courtney and I right now are sitting maybe six feet away from each other, staring lovingly into each other's eyes as we (laughs) can now in our studio. Uh, So I would have to sit closer and closer to the television because even from the distance I am now, I couldn't see shit. And I had these overwhelming cravings for sugar, particularly Coke, and as well the taste of the saliva in my mouth was starting to change. Mm. So all these things were starting to add up. Uh, and ended up going to the doctor, spoke about this is what, these are the symptoms. And I, I now in hindsight, I think the doctor heard what I said, took one look at me because I was not the most in-shape specimen at the time, although I suppose round is a shape. Mm-hmm. And just was like, yeah, might just go and get this guy's, get a urine sample and hospitalised on the spot. Wow. My, my blood sugars then were... Um, many multiple times what they should be as a safe limit. Many, many, many. So at the time, the way blood sugars were measured, because it's different now, uh, at the time when they, were, when they were being measured when I had it or when I was diagnosed, a blood sugar reading of 
10 or less was considered fine, normal, like safe parameters, no dramas. Um, I, I came in at around 32 and a half mm. blood sugar reading and the doctor's like, you're going to go to hospital right now. It's close, yeah. Just slightly <laughs> over. Just a close margin. Sli- just, a, just a little bit over. So hospitalized and the, um, the specialist pretty much said like, you've got type 2 diabetes, this is a lifestyle problem, you've got this because of the way you live your life. And you're going to be stuck with this and have the complications and probably an early death if you don't do something about it. And I did nothing. Nothing about it. <laughs> yes. So you're 21 years old. You're roughly 180 kilos. Not roughly, I was. They weighed me um, right. on entering the hospital. So you're 180 kilos. Yep. You're 21 years old. You've lived at that weight for a good three years. I've sustained the results, baby. So... And just for context, you yeah. are quite tall. Yeah, I'm six foot six. So you're six foot six. Yep. But in saying that, it's still a lot of weight. When you're that tall and you're that heavy, you take up a lot of space. I was wearing seven XL clothes, right. which I still have. You do. One of my, as you know, Courtney, one of my jumpers yes. in the wardrobe as from reference. back from back yes. then, which you've seen me put on these days. Yes. It's well, we bit, can both fit into it. It's a little, you know, it's a little at bit the same it's, time. It's a little bit too big these days, thankfully. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. You, they give you the diagnosis that you've got type 2 diabetes, which goes with, you know, testing your, pricking your finger, testing your blood sugar, you're on medication. Oh, in terms of, you've got to manage it and you've got to um, monitor uh, your sugar levels. So it does, it did involve um, the daily testing of my blood sugar. So that, that is indeed pricking your fingers and getting the blood reading on the pad. And so you do that, you know, two times a day, every single day. Like the problem is as well, you start like your, your fingers turn into pin cushions. So after a while, I remember now the fun stuff was like how sore my fingers would get after a couple of weeks and they're just riddled with holes. You got to find new spots to get the reading from. And then the spots that you would be going back to after a while got harder. The skin got harder as it came over. So you're finding yes. So you're finding new, new, unique areas to prick yourself to get a blood sugar reading. It's uncomfortable. Some people do it in their toes. Really? Do they? I don't know. I could be making that up. I thought somebody told me once that some people their fingers get so hardened from it that they do do it sometimes. Well, I'll tell you what. um, That would make complete sense. Yeah. Because I did go through that part where the fingers got harder, Um, but at the time, because I honestly didn't take it too seriously. I just stopped taking my blood sugar reading. Well, that's a good point. So it'd be interesting to know then with your, these blood sugar readings you're doing, you obviously didn't change what you were eating at the time. I Well, funny you should mention that. I would adjust what I was eating before I took my blood sugar reading. <laughs> okay. So, well, if I don't have this hamburger from McDonald's now, now right. and I take my blood sugar reading having just woken up half an hour ago and I'm fasted, like I'll come in at like a five. Right. Yeehaw. So it's fine. In your brain, it was yeah. like, oh, so I'm fine. I've done it. I've done okay. it. Let's- but then you would go out and you would have McDonald's Let's or have something some like that. But Let's have and some then you would you have to take it again? No, not till the evening. Oh, okay. But then in the evening, what you've had during the day, would it be vastly different? Depends on how soon you have it. Okay. Or like so it comes down to the timing between when you consume the food. And when you do the reading, so I would just, I would just, I suppose you say, stack the deck in my favor, where if I knew that I've got to take my blood sugar, I would 
not have anything. I'd just be drinking water. Uh, and if I knew that I would be doing a blood sugar reading and I could taste it in my mouth because when – and I still can these days. Yeah, you can. As you know, when I have a, well, it's not, a sugar it's event. Not, we're going to get – like I was going to get to this, but it's not curable basically. Completely no. curable you, you, type 2 diabetes. You can say You can say the term I've reversed it. You actually haven't. Mm. What you what you've done is you've managed it so well to the point where you don't need to do anything about it as long as you maintain your lifestyle. Mm. So I can say to people, I've reversed type two diabetes, and I kind of haven't, but I've managed it to the point where it's a non-factor. Yeah. However, as Courtney can attest to, it can still make itself known. Yes. If I if I overindulge, I know about it because I can taste it. I can taste it on my breath, I can taste it in my saliva, and I can feel it in my head where I get a little bit faint, as you know, Courtney, yeah. as well. It just doesn't feel quite right. Uh, but anyway, back to what I was saying was, I would, knowing that my sugar would be high, well, I just wouldn't take the reading at the time. It's such an interesting concept though, isn't it, that often these things that come up and people think, oh, he's going to have to change now because... Like this is such a wake-up call for your life. You could die whether you do this. You've been told you could die if you could do this. And it's still not quite – you're not – you're obviously in that moment weren't quite ready to make that commitment. I wasn't happy enough. You were not happy enough or you didn't necessarily believe that you would die from this uh, I was still, enough. I was still in denial about how out of shape I was because it's – as you know, it can be pretty easy to avoid a camera if you yes. want to. It can be pretty easy to just not look in the window that you're walking past. Say you walk past a shop at a shopping center and you just don't look. Uh, or as you've had yourself, Courtney, it's the, uh, I'm not that bad. I mean, yes, I actually was, I was worse. But you tell yourself these things and honestly, just wasn't unhappy. I hadn't hit rock bottom yet, yet. you know. And that's why I'm so... Uh, I suppose you say staunch on my position that if you're not truly ready to change, you can't force yourself. Well, it's such a good example for that because there's always a way to cheat the system and we're human beings and we're pretty intelligent beings when we want to be. Mm. And there's always, we will figure out always a way to cheat the system if we can. Yep. So you basically figured out a way pretty quickly with your type 2 diabetes to cheat the system. Yeah, you just drink heaps of water. So in your <laughs> mind, don't, don't eat anything. you knew, okay, I don't have to yeah. change what I'm doing here. I can just change what I do first thing in the morning. And because I wasn't ready to change at all, I just associated a low number. Again, it's a discussion about numbers. Yeah. A low number on the blood sugar reading. Well, if it's low and I've taken it, that suits me. I'm fine. I'm fine. Precisely, and, I'm and, fine. And you can, you I can, can keep doing what I'm doing. With so many other things, I can take this. Yes, you can. I can take this shit lifestyle that I've got and make it, and I'll use this term loosely, work for me by just moving it around when I'm pricking my fingers. And this is the same thing that I've heard in the past, where people have done different diets, where they're counting calories or things <laughs> like this. So you, they're counting calories, which is fine, and they just cheat the system by figuring out how many calories are in that ice cream and that that burger. Or that uh, glass of alcohol. And then they adjust the rest of their day yeah. because so they can still reach their calorie hit for the day 
So it's fine. Can I um can I while just since we're having that slight digression, can I just state the official weight loss podcast stance on calorie counting? Yes. I'm allowed to? Yes. All right. Do you know who are the people that need to count their calories? Who? The people that eat junk food regularly. Yes. If you don't eat junk food regularly, as you know yourself, and as I know from my own background and all the clients we've worked with, if you don't eat junk food on the regular, you don't need to worry about your calories because you're eating calorie-sparse, nutrient-dense food. So the official weight loss podcast stance on calorie counting is you need to count your calories because you eat too much shit. Anyway, and the, and the, sorry. No, that's okay. It's Not a sorry. good digression to have because it's a, it's a fantastic example for this. And we've spoken to other people about this in terms of over the course of this series, interviewing other people. Mm. Ali Brown is a great example who have spoken to about her story in terms of weight loss surgery. How many people out there do you see that have weight loss surgery thinking it's the answer, <laughs> but they cheat the system because then they'll just still eat crap. That's a great point. But they're having less crap, so it's okay. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's... I'm still eating shit. It's just slightly less than before. It's yeah. such a perfect example with your diabetes, mm. how your brain, because you weren't in the mindset as you admitted to change, you hadn't decided that you... Oh, sorry. I forgot to mention as well with that, that sort of cheating or gaming the system because I was also on uh, diabetes medication at the time. So the medication would also help to lower your blood sugar. Oh, right. So I could just, um, I could pop my pills when I had to, to bring it, because, you know, it'd bring your, your blood sugar reading down. So I guess in between those times, it's like, well, I'll just eat what I normally eat. So it's so interesting how we can convince ourselves of certain things and how we can cheat the system when there's obstacles put in front of us that to other people would say, oh, he'll change now. But yep. It doesn't matter sometimes the obstacle. It matters your mindset towards the obstacle. Yeah, and you look at it. You look at what I've just said with how I used to behave with that. Like looking at it myself now objectively down the track, like is there any more clearer a sign of someone who's not ready to change? No. Like it stands out like dog's balls, doesn't it? Yes. It's so fucking easy to see now. Yes. And, we're like, and we see it with people we work with. Yes. Like there's, there's, there's actions or inactions that people take where it's like you may be saying one thing, but your actions completely contradict that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's such a good conversation then to, ha- to have mm. and example to show for that. Mm. So moving on through your story here, yeah. 21, you're diagnosed with diabetes. Yeah. You still haven't made the decision to change. No. You carry on in this... Same thing, yeah. Very unhealthy, vicious cycle for then a few more years after this. Yes. So when was the first time that you really reached a snap point and said, no, 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 I'm actually now unhappy with myself and I need to make a change? Um, I would say deep down I was always unhappy. Yeah. Always, always, always because my attitude around other people – was that of someone who was reflecting themselves onto others mm. or projecting their inner unhappiness onto others, but it wasn't enough to actually do something serious about it. Uh, I did eventually join a gym. Mm. At what age? I actually first joined not long after I got diagnosed 
with it, oh, actually not long after, no, it was about probably a year and a half, actually, almost two, almost two years. So after, you're around about 23 now. Yeah, yeah. After I got diagnosed with the diabetes, I then ended up joining a gym literally a couple of years later and spent some time gunner going to the gym, saying, I'm going to go. And like, stop me, this sounds familiar. Like, oh, I'm too tired. I'm too busy. Work was too stressful. I'll go tomorrow. I'll go next week. Oh, fuck. I'll go next month. You know, and then if I actually did drag my ass down to the gym, it would be those classic workouts where you actually aren't doing fucking nothing. Yeah. You're spending more time exercising your jaw talking to people than you are actually, you know, putting your body through some sort of physical test. So it was just um, a number of years there of spinning my wheels mm. where you'd go to the you'd go to the gym infrequently and then when I did go infrequently, my training sessions fucking sucked because they weren't training sessions. They were just like, oh, I'm at the gym. Like, cool. <laughs> I'm you, helping myself. It's the equivalent of like checking in at the gym on Facebook these days and actually not doing anything while you're there. But it's like, hey, I've been at the gym. Done fucking nothing, but cool. I was here. Yeah, I was here. Appearance fee, please. But after a while, I actually did just start to sort of get uh, more interested in the exercise because somehow you like – even when you're infrequent, you can still make some sort of progress. progress. Yeah. And I was deathly afraid of gyms at the time because you walk in, you're a fish out of water. And it's like, well, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. All these people um, know what they're doing. <clears throat> Mistake number one is assuming that. I'll just yeah. say that now. All these people know what they're doing. They're all in way better shape than me. Why, why am I here? But after a while, sort of got a bit more confident in the gym. Just It's just repetition. Mm. but and, and I've learned in, in subsequent years is the way that I'm built. As I start to get small tastes of success and small amounts of progress, it just makes me hungry for more. Mm. And Courtney will back me up on this. I'm a somewhat competitive person. Oh, you're a self-starter, yeah. Uh, and I do like to test myself mm. on things and this is where this sort of started to develop so I got a bit more emotionally and mentally invested in the exercise side of things and actually sort of got the, the confidence in me to just well you know do more yes. because apparently more exercise is the answer yes so do more so started actually going to the gym consistently mm. uh, no matter what my mind would tell me at work, like, oh, you're tired, you're stressed. Like, mate, I'm going anyway. I'm just going. So I would go. I'd start to put some real effort in. And like a lot of people, like a hell of a lot of people, I was very entitled. Oh, well, I'm going to the gym. I should be changing. You know? Yes. Sound familiar? It does. Yet nothing much was changing because, you know, nothing was changing away from the gym. I, eating the same food. The only thing that was different in my lifestyle was I was attending the gym. I was still eating shit on the wholesale. Yes. Right? And still pricking my finger when it suited me to get a good blood sugar reading. Still drinking buckaloids of alcohol. Still, still smashing alcohol. Still smashing junk food. Still smashing everything you can think of. Mm. I was just now going to the gym. Um, but nothing was actually changing. My ability in the gym was improving. But the reason why I was going in the first place which is to actually change my body. Do you think that that, had a, uh, that was 
from a little bit of miseducation though in terms of you you legitimately thought that going to the gym I know that there is also a sense of entitlement there but is it also a, a lack of education where did you legitimately think that going to the gym was what you needed to do of course I did. working out more and more and more was the way to lose weight well, of course so what what sort of imprinted that on you was it just what you had seen in other people was it the marketing of gyms or was it just your sort of you're just making an assumption. It's, it's, it's hard to say where the influence comes from because I had no interest in that lifestyle at the time. Yeah. So I had no exposure because back then the internet was around. It isn't what it is these days. No, there was but, no Google. But there was no Google. Um, back then, what was the search engines back then? I Yahoo? Yahoo. Yahoo. Uh, Lycos. Anyway, that's that's the nerd in me starting to come Don't out now. Lycos. Um, but I was using um, Netscape Navigator as my as my web browser. Uh, there was bodybuilding.com back then. Wow. Yes. That got on board early. Yes. Uh, so I was online and but but I had no exposure to the to no nah, no nah, because I said there's no interest. But after I started to go to the gym and just sort of build up uh, some sort of regularity eventually. I, I, I can't say there was the influence there, but it's just the assumption more is better. More is best, yeah. And as as you and I now know through our, through our work life, like it's not just me that thought that, like that's common. Oh, very common. And it's still common these days. It's still prevalent that way. Well, more is better. It's Plus also, I thought to myself, it's a badge of honour. If uh-huh. I can say to people, oh, I go to the gym and I go every day and I do all this exercise. But the worst comments I ever got were, you go to the gym really, do you? Yeah. Ouch. 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 So you're putting in all this work and people are looking at you like you just sit on the couch all day. Well, I, I looked like I did. Yeah. Because nothing was changing. You yeah. know, so anyway, built myself up doing the more is better mentality. So I'm putting in what I thought was my best effort. And to be fair, I think it was my best effort, but there is a big difference between what is your best effort and what actually needs to be done. Or there can be a big difference. And as as we've now learned with the successful transformation, like it, it really does involve marrying up what is your best effort alongside what actually needs to be done. Mm. So my best effort wasn't what needed wasn't enough to be what needed to be done. But I thought it was. Yeah. Hence the entitlement. Well, I'm now putting in three hours a day, six days a week of exercise, 18 hours a week. Why the fuck am I changing? Mm. So that sort of sense of entitlement started to fester and got worse and worse and worse because it's like, well, I'm putting in this effort. I'm not changing. I look disgusting. I feel disgusting. And that just manifested itself where I got worse and worse and worse. And that's where it led to, to real rock bottom. Mm. Where I wanted to so oh, I, I want to top myself. Yeah, so you just felt like your mental health was just <coughs> excuse me. Just going downhill. Oh, deteriorating. Oh, garbage. Was nowhere. Mm. Like purely self loathing, self sabotaging, like it insert all the yeah. all the standard cues here. To the point where you were suicidal. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um I was ter- miserable to be around, just no fun at all. No social life. Um, wasn't working. Mm. 
just you had absolutely in no hole. outlet in a hole, just in a hole. Yeah. Um, and it just got worse because you know you, and this is where I can relate to a lot of overweight people, a lot of people in general who feel they're putting in all this effort and getting nothing out of it. Where you think, oh well, I'm stuck like this. Mm. This is the rest of my life. And when you're when you're in your mid twenties and you're thinking that, like, I'm in my mid twenties, I've got like another 60, 70 years of this, like, no way. That's yeah. just you can't you can't really sort of reconcile yourself with that. Mm. So that led that led to a pretty big snap point, which um, I won't get into in detail here just because you can go back to episode one of the show and get the full layout. Yep. But it led to my snap point where I really wanted to do myself in and just, you know, something goes off in your head, have the light bulb moment. Um, and from, from there on out, it's like, nah, you know what? Fuck this. Um, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And that's where in hindsight, I was ready to marry up my best effort with what actually needed to be done. Yeah. Which was, well, all this fucking exercise isn't working for me because I still look like shit. I still feel like shit. I'm still very, very unhappy, to put it mildly. Yet I know for a fact I'm still like putting all this junk into my body, still poisoning myself. Mm. So that stuff needs to change. Mm. And it was from there that actual meaningful progress started to be made where I started to, was ready to and started to work on the things outside of the gym. So I learned pretty quickly. And one of the, one of the wake-up um, calls for me was, funnily enough, one of my gym sessions, I remember, because I would always do um, some sort of, you know, cool ab exercise at the end of a, a workout. Now, I, at the time, because also still, like, I put a lot of effort in, but I still wanted to not make things as hard as I could, I would be uh, a big fan of the old ab roller. Yes. Remember, remember ab rollers? Yes. Don't see them much anymore. No. Um, but I loved a good old ab roller because it was minimal movement. Um, so I would, uh, I would be doing ab rolls and then sit-ups uh, at the end of a, a gym session. And with the the more is better mentality. I had this one day, I remember this very well because it shows the insanity of this. I, I did. I, I just do like 10 to 12 ab rolls or sit-ups, right? And I thought, oh, that's enough. And then one day I thought to myself, well, how many could I actually do of these? So I thought, you know what? I'm going to keep going until I can't go no more. <laughs> how many ab rolls do you think I did? I think you've told me this in the past, isn't it? It was over 100. Keep going. Yeah, I can't remember the exact number. You it was over 500. That's right. I knew it was 100. It was over 500 ab rolls. And that's when it occurred to me, I, I can't do it like this. What, do I do 1,000? Yeah, do you just keep going? Do I do 5,000? Uh, where, where do you go? Yep. And, that, and that's, that's the real, that really sort of made me realise at the time uh, that... It, it can't be more because how far can you take it? Well, how, 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 how many days are you going to work out? Exactly. Because the further you take it, the longer so it there takes. So there, there had to be something else because I can't just like when, you t- when, I took, when I took that experience of like doing say 500 ab rolls 
and thought about that application to everything else, this could go three hours a day, five hours yeah. a day, ten hours a day. You'd be in the like, gym all day. Where the fuck do I stop? Yeah. And that's when it, it, it tied in with me having a meltdown to be like, there has to be a better way. I'm going to go and ask for help. And that's when I was ready to actually be helped mm. and actually, as I said, marry up Matt's best effort with what needs to be done. And that's where I also had the mindset. And in hindsight, I'm glad I had this because it's what we talked to all of our clients about. I didn't attach a time frame to it. No. So to me, it was, I don't care how long this takes. This could be six months. 12 months, two years, five years, I don't give a fuck. As long as this takes, I'm going to keep going and going and going and going until I get what I want, no matter what is put in front of me. And yeah, years later, like that has served me well. Yes, not putting time frames on things. Well, I do think there should be time frames on things, but what I'm saying, the point I'm getting at here is I didn't attach a finish line. A limitation, a time so, limitation, should we say more I, so? We'll put it this way. I didn't say to myself, I'm going to do this in 28 days, mate, <laughs> like some fuckwit. No. Or I didn't say to myself, oh, well, I've been struggling with my life for, for 15 plus years and I'm heavily obese. Oh, I might just get all this undone in six months. Mm. All I said to myself was, however long it takes, I'll let this process play out. Mm. And it, as it turns out, to get a real meaningful result where people would look at me and go, what the fuck has this guy done? Yeah. Two and a half years. Yeah. Two and a half years. Mm. Now, you you contrast that to these dickheads and fuckwits online and in gyms that are selling like these 30-day challenges, uh, six-week programs, 12-week programs. Like, seriously, shut up your fucking ass. Yeah. No one changes that quickly. Like, it... You spend years and years getting yourself in a mess. It's going to take years and years to get out. And to my own credit, like I'm not, I'm not overly huge on pumping my own tires up obsessively. But th- now, <laughs> because we're on a podcast, you can't see the look that my wife just gave me. But it's a look that said, "Like I'm sorry, what?" It's a look that said, "This guy's talking out of his ass." <laughs> I like to pump my own. What? 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 Within reason. But I do think that's one of the times where uh, I had a real moment of clarity. Yeah. Where I, I did say to myself, like, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in this for the long haul, however long it takes. So let's now talk about that in terms of mindset. Right. So you were in the deepest depression state that you've ever been in. Mm-hmm. You were suicidal. Yep. And I don't know if you can get much lower than that at that stage. So... Contrast that to then your mindset during and then after these two and a half years. Did you feel like it was a slow sort of getting that confidence back, coming out of that depressive state? You obviously got a job. Yeah. So all of that sort of change was Mm -hmm. obviously helped by the way that you were feeling about yourself, the confidence that you gained during what you were doing. And then at the end of the two and a half years when you obviously hadn't, finished your transformation but you've done a pretty bloody good job of it mm. that your your mindset was obviously completely different but 
I just want to have a talk about your mental health changes within that time frame. Okay. Because I think that that during these transformations, women talk about their mindset a lot. I know I have. I've spoken about how it's affected me mentally a lot. And I don't think, though, that enough men talk about that. Enough men talk about where how that affects them mm. when it comes to weight loss. Yep. I think these days a lot more men are speaking more openly about mental health issues. But when specifically we're talking about weight loss, because I don't know if it's just me, but I just feel like there's a perception that it's much more of a female thing. It's I much more of a girl thing to worry about your body shape. I would agree with that in terms of it's more more females in my experience now seem more open to reaching out for help mm. and more open to uh, receiving feedback. That's not all. That's yeah. not universal, mind you, because I've no. I've got instances where I can contradict that. But you just look at look at um, say you and I, like our client base over the years, been majority female. They have been majority female. But I think it's also us as females. I think then that also means that we tend to fear, not necessarily forget, but we tend to overlook that a lot of the mental hurdles that we go through in terms of our body shape, how it looks, how it affects our confidence, that affects males too. Of course it does. But males just don't talk about it I agree. Much. I would agree with that, yes. And I think males now are talking about mental health a lot more in terms of work-life balance, things, things along these lines. But... I think that it's a really important conversation to have about male mental health in terms of your body mm-hmm. and your body shape and how that affects your confidence. And I feel like there's a misconception that that's a that's a female thing. I would agree. Yes. So in 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 laying that framework out, now I'd just like to ask you mm. now about you coming from that dark suicidal state you were in when you were 180 kilos, you're type 2 diabetes, you're in your 20s. Right. You don't have a job. You said that <laughs> it was affecting then obviously your relationship with your friends. You became, by what it sounds like, I didn't know you at this time, Matt. So I didn't know Matt when he was going through all this. I met Matt when he was in his 30s. So this is all happening, Matt, in your 20s. Yeah. So I didn't know you at this time, but from the, what you've just described, you weren't a pleasant person to be around. No. So it obviously affected your relationship with your friends. Everyone. Friends, family. Yeah, family. Sure. Yeah. So how did you work your way through that mentally to come out the other side? Was it focusing on the goal? Is that what helped you at that time? Mentally push through? Um, that's a big question, bro. Mm. That's a very big question. I never consciously addressed it. Right. I was just had in my head, just do the right thing, build up to do it consistently and see where it goes. Mm. So I can't, I can't sit here and be like some kumbaya dickhead and say, this oh, is my well, five-step plan. Here's, here's what I did. I just thought positively. Nah, mate, that's fucking bullshit. Uh, my confidence, my self-esteem, uh, everything that comes with the mental health side of things 
gradually repaired itself step by step as I was improving my lifestyle, improving and, and working on myself. So you get all these, and this is where you you, you got to recognize the small wins. Hmm. So it's the small wins of, well, now I'm undertaking a structured training program rather than just winging it like everyone else in the fucking gym does. Now I've replaced having fast food for breakfast with having something something else for breakfast or something from home for breakfast. Now I'm working on replacing all the copious amounts of alcohol I was drinking with some other form of beverage that was less poisonous, like, you know, water. Yes, that would be helpful. <clears throat> yeah. So basically without you sort of making a point of it, you were focusing on the goal and that was helping you mentally. Yeah, of course it was because, because I was then I, – I knew I was making progress. Mm. So my, like I'm improving my lifestyle – and then as a result, I was doing it consistently enough and doing it well enough where, like, you go put on these clothes and it's like, oh, it's getting bigger. Yeah. These pants are getting bigger. These shirts are getting looser. And then, oh, shit, I better go buy some new clothes because these are now all too big. Mm. And then, you know, you, you sustain what you're doing and you then potentially start going through multiple wardrobe changes where it's like, oh, well, this 7XL is too big. I'm now in, the, in a 5XL, 4XL, 3, 2, 1. Mm. You know? And it, it's just step by step where the, the mental health and the confidence and the happiness just gradually came up as everything else gradually came up. Mm. So it wasn't like you have this snap point and then two weeks later, everything's all hunky-dory. It's just step by step. Like my performance is improving, my strength's improving, I'm no longer getting sick as much, I'm sleeping better. So all of these things are giving you, because you're recognising them as wins, yeah. they're giving you in return a sense of achievement. Of course they are. Because and that's giving you a sense of confidence. Yes. And so that's all working through. And then there's also, and like we're humans, we all like recognition. Love people, recognition. People see me and it's like, Holy shit! Like, what are you fucking doing? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to the gym and eating eating not shit food. Yeah. You know. So there's also the recognition where I can see and feel what's changing, and so can others around me. Yeah. You know, we're all human. We all like to be recognised for what we're doing. Mm. Like, no. Like, some people don't take compliments very well, but no one. No one dislikes being complimented. Like mm. deep down, we all like some recognition. But I was also giving myself some recognition where I could see it gradually happening. So it's like, well, I've got to keep going. I've got to keep going. Mm. You know? And then that's how as well that your your confidence starts to build up because you're building it up. I suppose it's like building a house brick by brick. Mm. You're not putting the whole wall up and putting the whole house up. It's every brick one at a time. And it gradually goes up. How do you feel like your mental health is now? What, sitting here? Yeah, like on a day-to-day basis now, do you ever feel like some of that has come through? Of course. And it's still a battle, you know, like I've openly, for example, spoken about my mental battle in terms of emotional eating, um, the mental sort of challenges that I have that 
lead on from what I used to do, mm. the little voices in my head will often still come back. Does that still affect you? Of course it does. I don't think you, I don't think you can go through long periods of unhappiness in your life, even when you turn it around, like there's baggage that comes along with you. There always is. Mm. Like you, I don't think you're ever rid of it. No. I think you manage it better and I think you can control it better and you can recognize the signs better. Mm. But like I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, it's all, it's all gone because that'd be a lie. Yeah. Um, it's far more infrequent, mm. far more infrequent and it's, easy, it's, it's easier to manage because I now also know the things that I need to do uh, that I suppose you'd say recharge the batteries, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the strategies that you've developed over the years to be able to have that sort of um, mental health time for yourself. Yep. And for me, it's isolation. Mm. I am more than comfortable in my own company. Which is funny. Not funny, but that's not, not what I meant. But it's interesting, should I say, because a lot of people would think, oh, it's the opposite. Someone who needs mental health time needs to be around people, needs to be around. Depends on the person. Med- there's, no, yeah. there's no right or wrong. I was just about to say, but it's developing. You've had, obviously, now 10 plus years since your mid-20s to develop these strategies. 10 plus, that's nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I'm To develop these strategies in terms of what works for you. Yep, definitely. And, and, and what works for you is definitely not going to work for other people. No, but it works for me and it allows me to be the best that I can be for myself and for the people that need me at my best, mm. people like you, mm. my family, my friends, our clients. And these are strategies that you put into your life, Matt, every day. As often as possible. Yes. Like, or every week at least. You, you, not necessarily every day, but every week you will, you will make a point to... Make sure that you're checking in with yourself. Well, you you see it, mm. you see it yourself. You're married to me, you yes. know, and you, and you and you can attest what I'm like when I don't get those times. Yes, I'm still not pleasant to be around, am I? No, you're not. I become a bit of an angry ant. You do. And the thing, the funny thing is, like that's nothing compared to what I used to be. Like yeah. that's not even on the same fucking radar. But even then, I still know, and this is why I'm I'm so. Um, solid with this with the people that we work with like you've got to take time for yourself whatever that is is up to you yes but you need that time be it be it hobbies or family time or alone time or like binging some netflix on the couch or playing video games like who cares what it is if it recharges your batteries internally mentally physically emotionally like go and do it yes and not a lot of people do that no. At all. And no. that's and I, I see that as a common trait with the people that you and I work with. They don't put themselves first. Mm. And to have a successful transformation where you change the way you look, the way you function, the way you feel, the way you live your life, like you have to have some times where you put yourself first. Like it's it's essential. It's a non negotiable. Yes. yes. It's a non negotiable. Yes. Well like, life 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 is stressful. Of course it is. And no matter what whether you've got children, you don't have children, you've got family stuff, you've yep. got work stuff, there's always something happening. You're, so, you're an adult and you're living the adult life and life is not easy. Adulting is hard. Adul- <laughs> so yes. it is, Adulting can be hard, yes. It is. I totally agree with you that it is something that is overlooked by many people. I think by a lot of people that probably haven't experienced the sort of mental health issues that you and a lot of people 
Well, around the world, maybe have. maybe they are experiencing it and they're not ready to actually change it. That's true too. Because it's it is a common trait that I see in people that have um, rough backgrounds mm-hmm. and they're unhappy with themselves. There's a an unwillingness to put themselves first, mm. but. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, actually, fuck saying unfortunately, like you have to, there, to stand a chance of doing this. Like there's, there's a number of, there's a number of sort of key, key boxes that need to be checked off to even have a chance of succeeding with this. And unfortunately, a lot of people aren't ready to check those fucking boxes off. Yeah. And I know for me now with where I'm at, to better manage the baggage that I've brought along with me along the way. There's certain things I need to do. Yes. Now, one of those things is indeed I prioritize, and I've always prioritized, having food available for myself mm-hmm. and getting my training sessions in. Uh, question for you, Courtney. When's the last time you saw me miss a training session? Exactly. You know why that is? Because I don't. No. I'm just trying to think. Now, you, you think to yourself. Like, you would have had to be injured. And that was years ago, the last time you injured yourself. Yep. Now, then you look at it, and you can back me up on this one too. Do I let weather stop me? No. You've seen me go out the pouring, driving rain. Yes. Can't you've seen me. In the rain. You've seen. Yep. You've seen me do things when it's bloody hot. Yes. Like nothing. It doesn't. Like you never. When's the last time you heard me say, "Oh, I'll just skip it today." Is that though? Is exercise a form of mental release for you it is a lot of people find that a lot of people do say they 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 enjoy the part of the exercise not not because it hurts because it does hurt and that's not fun but they enjoy the time they get for themselves and they they enjoy the the sense of accomplishment afterwards no you don't find that with exercise here's what it does for me yeah i know it's another small, tiny step away from what I used to be. Yeah, okay. So a lot of people, and this is where I actually think it could be dangerous mm. to associate, in some cases, exercise as the happy place because it can lead to an overtraining mentality. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. For me, for me, it's more a case of I, I, I enjoy my training more than you do, which is not saying much, but I enjoy it. <laughs> Because as I said, it's one small slight step beyond where I used to be. Mm. And it's a, it's the way I measure my personal success, it's one of my key, or KPIs, you might say. It's one of my KPIs in terms of self-improvement. But it's not just that. Like, it can't be just the exercise. But it's one of the tools, as is the food that I eat and being prepared with that, as is my time for myself. Mm. So Courtney and I uh, live... Um, in a very hilly, mountainous region here in Melbourne, Australia. Yes. And Courtney, you would know that I do enjoy being outdoors. Yes, you do. And I will often just go pop the headphones in and go for a stroll up in the hills. Yeah. And just um, me, the hills, and whatever whatever podcast I'm probably listening to at the time. Yes. And I look at that as another way of recharging the batteries because it's nice to get away. Mm-hmm. Like I love what I do. I love the people that I work with. I love I love my life, but I need my mat time as well. Yes. But I don't associate intense training with my mat time because that can lead to more intense training and that's where you can get that tipping point. 
So for me, it's not the enjoyment of the exercise. It's just taking another little step forward. It's just another little measure of success. Yes. If that makes sense. It does. And same with my hobbies. Mm. AKA video games, sports, and Netflix. Yes. And <clears throat> professional wrestling. <laughs> yes, hobbies. So moving, I just want to ask a question now, jumping forward. Yep. In terms of the way you feel about your body shape. Yep. How now do you feel now about your body shape? That's a good question. Mm. As in like today? As in mentally, not necessarily right today, but mentally now, as in 2019, mentally, obviously there's there's no point asking the question, how do you feel about your body now compared to then? Because that's just like... Night and day. Good context. That's just a stupid. That's just a stupid question. So I'm not going to ask you that stupid question. Is that a clown question, bro? Yes, I'm not going to ask you that stupid question because that that is just a no brainer. So I'm not going to say compare it and anything like that. I'm just interested now. While we're still talking about the mental health side of weight loss from a male perspective, that. We obviously all know, always know that there's always another goal to set. There's always another goal to hit. And that's a good thing to have because it keeps you moving forward and it keeps you pushing on and it, it keeps what you've been able to achieve. But we also know, we've spoken about it in, a lot in terms of females and, and in terms of myself, where there's always that thing where you never quite feel happy with, with it, what you've got. There always seems to be something else. So, okay. so you'll reach a goal and you'll think to yourself, what do I want to work on next? Can I say something? Mm. It's not just females. Thank you. That's where you're getting at. I'll just get you to the station a bit faster. It's not just females. It's males too. Mm. So how do I feel about my body shape? It's pretty good. Mm. Is it? Do I want more? Of course I do. You always want more. I think if you don't want more you are on the verge of complacency. And I've been there in the past. Mm. I've made the mistake of thinking, oh, well, I fucking got this. And I go backwards. Mm. And it's not a good feeling. No, it's not a good feeling. At all. Because when you know where you've come from and you start to feel yourself going back there, that doesn't play very well in your head. No. So um, I am always striving for more. I'm always striving to improve my shape. Um, to keep my body fat down. Yes. And what's becoming more important to me now as I... <clears throat> age. Fuck you. Yes, age. You're 41. Sorry, what? You're 41. You know I love you, right? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to understand the deal about age. How old are you? 30. That's why I don't understand it, so just be quiet. I'll be 41... <laughs> One you will day, be. And you know, you know how much I'm going to care about that? The silence shows how much I'm going to care about that. I'm not going to care about that. Okay. Cool, bro. Anyway. See you in 10 years. <laughs> anyway, what's also important to me now as I do get older, I, as, I've, as I've gotten older and as I've gone through my 20s and 30s, I've really learned to appreciate that now that I've actually done something with myself I've sort of been given the gift of a, a body that can really do kind of whatever the fuck I want it to do. Mm. And I really value that. So like I've played multiple sports 
now in my life. Um, basketball, American football, rugby league, touch football, and now I'm doing kickboxing. And as as you've seen since you and I have met Courtney, if I do something physically, like I'll take to it rather well eventually, and I'll, I'll pick up a few things. Yes. And now, as you see with my kickboxing, it's getting better, and you like. Yeah. Mm, we're, we're improving at that. But I value that. And I value that as I get older where I don't want to be someone that rapidly ages. No. And just just sort of their body just burns out and they lose they lose what they've got. Like one of the one of my favorite sayings in sports is that father time is undefeated, and that's correct. Mm. Um, but I would like to slow that down as much as I can. So to me, I'm I want more with where I'm at, but I'm also happy with the fact that I'm honestly blessed with a body that does whatever I put my mind to and picks things up fairly well. And I really value that. I want to continue that as I get older. Mm. Did I answer the question? I just dodge it. <laughs> no, I didn't answer the question. Okay. I think. No, that was good. So we've spoken about mental health, where you've come from. Yeah. Goals for the future. Where are you at now with your goals? Are we talking mental health goals? Both mental health and I think they lead into each other a lot of the time. Well, mental health and body shape goals. Mental mental health is pretty much now to – I've got a growth mindset mm. these days where I used to be the sort of person where, again, stop me if this sounds familiar, I'd make a mistake and really beat myself up for it. Yeah where now I've got a growth mindset and I, as you know, Courtney, I am not afraid of making mistakes. Mm. I'm afraid of not learning from them. Mm. So in terms of, in terms of mental health, like I'm actually rather, rather happy with where things are overall, just because, well, when I make my inevitable mistakes, I will learn from them and improve and I'll be better at what I do, which is fantastic. So for me, that's really, I've got this, I've got a routine in my life where I know the things I need to do to recharge. I know the things I need to do to, to keep, keep the bucket full, Mm. I guess you'd say. So I'm going to just keep on doing them and keep on prioritizing myself where I need to. Mm. Because as I said before, the people that need me, need me at my best, but it's my responsibility to make sure that happens. So it's not up to you, it's not up to Courtney or you listening or any of our clients, any of our friends. My mental health and my internal happiness is not their responsibility. It's mine. Yeah. So that's my responsibility. It's up to me to make sure the people that need me get the best version of me. Mm. And I think that I think that extends to everyone. Mm. The people around you need you at your best, but it's up to you to do that. Yeah. It's not up to someone else to do it for you. There's ownership being taken there. Absolute ownership being taken and there never used to be. Mm. I rely on other people to make me feel better temporarily where now, no. Nah. deflect that ownership off. You're just, not, you're just not ready to take responsibility. Well, mm. I wasn't. Where now I completely am. Like it's, it's up to me and I'm mm. fine with that. Mm. I got no problem with that. Um, there's just certain things I need to do to make sure that actually happens. Uh, in terms of physically... Well, I do, I do want to see what my body looks like at a very low body fat percentage. Because 
Because with my height and the way I'm built, I think that would be terrifying in a good way. Yes. And now that I've been doing kickboxing now for about six months, I want to see where that plays out in this couple of years. Yep. Because um, I think there's something there. Yes. Uh, and I'm not afraid to get punched or kicked as we've learned. Yes. And I can take some shots as we've learned. I can give some shots too. So I want to see where that goes. Yes. Just because it's completely foreign to me and I, I like the challenge of being bad at something again. Yeah. And being a beginner. Now that's that's an interesting thing to say because not a lot of people have that attitude. I know that. That's and correct. And you are somebody that for as long as I've met you have had that attitude. I'm not going to say that you've always had that attitude because clearly you haven't. <laughs> correct. But as long as I've met you have had that attitude. So that's been a really big shift in your life, being able to not care if you make a mistake. Yep. You are an incredibly high achiever and self-starter, I would describe you as. Okay. You, I don't think that I've ever met someone who's quite a self-starter as much as you are. Whoa. Are you hitting on me? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I... I'm available. I don't think I could ask you... I, I don't think I could move on from that unless I ask you, what do you think was the biggest shift there from your old mindset of deflection, deflection, don't want to take responsibility, hate making mistakes, just hate everything and everyone to don't care if you make mistakes. Don't care what others think. Don't care about what others think. Mm. Happy to try things out. Happy to do things by yourself more than willing to push yourself. You don't need other people in your corner cheering you on necessarily. That's oh, just a bonus. I, I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. It's a bonus, but... It doesn't hurt. It doesn't say hurt. That. No. But it wouldn't stop you going to the gym. Fuck no. It wouldn't stop you working on yourself. No, of course so not. So that is, that is, in my mind, very determined self-starting so personality. How, so you're asking how did that happen? Well, that is a massive shift. It's like, you know, people... I know, say to you, Matt, you like, you look like two different people when you show someone a photo of what you used to look like. Mm. But your personality is also seemingly night and day. Mm-hmm. So do you think there has been something that you could pinpoint as to this really helped me make that shift? Yes, I can. What is that? Time. Ah. Do it long enough to get the bonus or the benefits out of it. Do what long enough? Sustain your lifestyle and actually change the way you do things. Mm. So it hasn't, as I said earlier, it hasn't been like I'm going to think positive and now next week I'm a different person. This is year after year after year after year and a constant willingness to gradually step further and further out of my comfort zone. Now, even for me, stepping out of my comfort zone is hard because that's why it's called a comfort zone. Mm. You know, so it's not easy for anyone to step outside it because you're getting into a, into discomfort. But it's honestly just been time, and that's what people don't fucking get. Mm. Like it takes time to change everything like this. It's like to me, it's it's literally year after year after year. There's been developments like that. Yeah, well, you could go. I mean, I know you used uh, the time frame earlier of two and a half years, but it really hasn't been two and a half years, has it? Well, look at this way. At the time back then, I was ready to step out of my comfort zone in a couple of areas. One, 
ask for help with my training at the gym, two, take ownership and responsibility for the food and drinks I was putting into my body. Mm. But do you think back then I was ready to become a trainer? Start your own business. Start a business, have my own gym, have a podcast about weight loss. Yes. How do you think I was around females back then? How do you reckon I was? I'm, I'm going to guess not great. Would you like the technical term for how I was around <laughs> females back then? Fucking hopeless. Yeah. But you could also um, substitute that with terrified. Yeah. Now, no one intimidates me. No. But it's not because I think my shit is hot because I don't. It's just because I'm comfortable with where I'm at internally where, well, you know what? If someone doesn't like me, that's not my problem. They can eat a dick. But that's taken time to develop this step by step. So as I said at the start, I was just ready to step out of the comfort zone of training and changing what I was eating. Then over the years, it's been, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to um, get in the dating scene. Mm. When it used to scare the shit out of me. Mm. You know, I'm going to try and start a career. Mm. It then leads to the... You know, your courage builds up and you step more outside your comfort zone. Oh, well, I'm going to randomly move into state yeah. and just relocate my life to the other part, another part of the country, mm. you know. And then down here in Melbourne, it's eventually getting the courage to go, well, the next the next step out of my, out of my comfort zone, well, I'm now going to completely shift gears and become a personal trainer. Mm. you know and change everything that I do and then it's the next the next shift oh well I'm gonna start my own gym I'm gonna start we're gonna start it was my idea if you remember initially let's have a podcast Courtney let's do a podcast together about video games yeah actually let's not let's do it about weight loss as you said but it's just been the comfort And, and even then as I've said before on this very show, like I tried to talk myself out of having this podcast. My brain said to me, oh, you're just a personal trainer. Mm. Who wants to listen to you talk on a podcast? Mm. So you still got those voices. Of course, like I squash it easier. Mm. So it's, it still happens even recently, but it's just been doing step, having a growth mindset and, and being prepared to take those tiny steps out of your comfort zone for long enough where you take enough steps where you then look back at the totality of it and go, fuck, everything has changed. Mm. Everything didn't change quickly. Mm. And without getting too high on the soapbox, that's one of a number of reasons why I'm so passionately against the, the short-term quick fixes in our line of work because it's, mate, no, it's, it does not, doesn't happen. Mm. You don't change who you are. If you're deeply unhappy... With every with or many things in your life, like that's not going to change quickly, and that's okay. It's going to take time, but you've got to. I think you've just got to be willing to sort of mentally be in it for the long haul. Like it's not a, it's not a six month thing and you're done. It's not a twelve month thing and you're done. Like this is a rest of your life proposition, and that's what now excites me. As I get older, in terms of you asked about goals before, like I've now got the attitude where. Um, if I want to go and try something new, I will. Like, I don't care if I suck at it. Mm. Like, I take up kickboxing last year. I was awful. And then I got better. 
and well, now improving. I think that that's the difference with your mentality that I've seen and I've taken a lot from Matt is that you've got that mentality of you actually enjoy sucking as something new, <laughs> which is interesting, but it makes total sense when, when you think about it because you enjoy sucking at the start because you can get better and you can show how much better at, say, kickboxing you've got since you started and you weren't that great. You said, you know, I didn't start with you when you first started kickboxing six months ago, but you well, started. All, all the strengths I had physically, like all my physical abilities, none of them translates, not, they don't translate to that. No, but it's something yeah. you wanted to do. Oh, you for went years, out, for years. You did it. And I'm still doing it. You're still doing no, it. I'm not going away from it. But you did, you came home and you said, oh, I sucked. I wasn't very good. I'm uncoordinated, blah, blah, blah. But you would. You didn't say it like... I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. You <laughs> said it as, oh, I'll be better next time. And then you would come home after every class and you'd say to me, hey, I learned this. Hey, I got better at this today. So you approach these things as I think you enjoy being not great at things that you start when you're new. I do Because now. you enjoy seeing your own progression. What's improvement? But you enjoy seeing that, and I don't think a lot of people put that on on a very big sort of on the important scale. They don't put that except, up there. Except it's funny because it's critical. Mm. It's critically important because there's there's an addiction that comes with the progress, and you want more because it's it's a good feeling. No matter how small it might be, it's still a meaningful step forward. It doesn't need to be a giant leap. No. You know, and so that's why I'm excited for the future because it's like, well, all these things I've gradually done over the years have been really hard mm. and really uncomfortable in many areas, but I've kind of got through it, haven't I? Like I'm still here. That's right. You know, so I always say uh, to people that I talk to that from my perspective, like the hardest thing I've ever worked on is myself. So like what else can be harder than that? Mm. That's why it's there's almost almost a fearlessness with some things, just because I, I look at it like, well, can't be as hard as turning myself around, can it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is where we're going to finish. Oh. Oh, you seem disappointed. Is there something you'd like to add before we finish? It no, up? not at all. Um, but how do we tie this into success leaves clues? What's I the think- What's the takeaway here? I think the takeaway is that whole chat about time. I think time is is well emphasised as a big takeaway in terms of success leaves clues to not only physical but mental change. Absolutely. So what other takeaway would you... This was your chat, so what's um, your takeaway for success leaves clues? Well, just, um, just the way you approach your change... Like if, if it's short term, like it's not going to work. Straight up, it will not work. Well, is it one of those things that you say, Matt, the way you go into approaching any sort of change is inevitably the way it'll end up. So if you approach it as a short-term fix, it will be a short-term fix. Well, I would actually say if you approach it like a, short, a short-term fix, it'll be short-term. It won't be a fix. That's true. won't be a fix at all. So, so whatever you go into it expecting is generally what you're going to get out of it. So if you're expecting to do something in 28 days, then 
you're only going to get a 28-day result. Yeah, which is you've been to the gym for a month. Congratulations. Yeah. And this is and like I I don't want to sound like a snob, but I'm going to sound like a snob. I I do sometimes need to sort of check myself where when I am told by people like, oh yeah, I'm entering my gym's, you know, 30 day or, or four week challenge, I'm like, you got no fucking chance. You got no fucking chance. None. Sometimes I'll say that if I'm feeling, I suppose, cranky enough at the time or, or blunt enough at the time. But I always think to myself, like, you got no chance. And I just I just relate that back to my own personal experience. Mm. Yours. Yes. Since I've met you. And the countless number of people that we've worked with where we've seen people succeed and fail, the common reasons, they're all common threads. Mm. And the, the, short-term, the short-term approach is one of them. So like I might see a friend on, say, Facebook or Instagram, oh, I've got my latest meal plan from my trainer. And I'm like, you're not ready yet. You're not ready. Yeah. You're not going to change. Yeah. You know, or I'm entering, I'm entering my gym six-week weight loss challenge. You're not ready. You're not going to change. You may, get, you may get a short-term result. You may get a short, like you can get a short-term result in six weeks. It's not that hard. Will you sustain that result? Will you change your habits in that time? Will you change uh, the, way, the way you approach things with your mind? Mm. No, you won't. You can't. Yes. So to me, to me, the biggest takeaway here is the time needed to actually make big, big changes in your life. Like It's not going to happen quickly. It mm. can't. And I think the other takeaway just is that there really is a misconception that females sort of concern themselves with their body image. I put it this way. It is both. Females are just more willing to talk about it openly. Um, Men in general, we are hopeless at it, and I don't think we should be. No. Uh, I think, to me, from the people I respect the most, this is is gender non-specific, but the people I respect the most are just those that are willing to put their hand up and say, I want help mm. and have that vulnerability. We've said it before and it's worth saying again, vulnerability is not weakness, it's a strength. Correct. And there shouldn't be the attitude of embarrassment that men should have to face when having to admit that they don't like their body shape. Well, where's the embarrassment come from? It's, I think it's the pressure we put on ourselves. It is perceived, clearly, because there's no banner up on Times Square that says you cannot be embarrassed about your body shape. But Not what we've seen. It is perceived, but I think that there is a general perception of this atmosphere of there. there's still, oh, that's a girl thing. Yeah, that's fair. So I think that I agree with you. Vulnerability is a strength, and it I is. think allowing yourself to be open about things that you're unhappy with. There's nothing wrong with being unhappy with your body, whether you're male or female. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make changes to your body, whether you're male or female. Yeah. And as you say, there is absolutely nothing wrong with asking for help if you are male or female. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's just uh, it's just not common enough uh, among the brotherhood, as you might say. No. But hopefully that's changing. I don't think it is. Mm. I'm mind you, like I'm more than open to being wrong. You're hopeful that you're wrong. I would yes. love to be proven wrong. Yes. But I've just 
like doing what I've done now for as long as I've done it, especially like in a professional standpoint, like you just, I, I don't think it's changed at all. Yeah. At all. Well, hopefully but it, but it, then but it should. we have more discussions like this that in well, the future. Well, I put it this way. I would be very, very interested to hear from any males mm. listening to this and how this sits with them. Yeah, that's a great, great idea. I don't think I will, mm. but I'd be very keen to. Yeah. Matt at theweightlosspodcast.com is the email address. Send me an email to my personal email. If you're, if you're a, a male uh, taking this in, tell me where you're at. Mm. Like, I just don't think there's many of us. Well, we, we shall hope, see. But I hope I'm wrong. Yes. Anything you'd like to add before we wrap this episode up? Do we want to do like a WrestleMania preview? No. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No. <laughs> so I think that that is a wrap. No, the, the actual serious answer really is um, just give yourself time. Like the like, I that's and that really does answer the question you asked, Courtney. Where where people, you know, can look at someone like me and see the changes I've made. Like it's not been quick. No, it's definitely not been easy. But time is the biggest thing. Yeah. Yep. And play I think play the long game. Play the long game. You've got to play the long game. Yeah. That's a good thing to constantly you have to. remember. Play now, the long game. I mean, well, it, it goes back into like you look at how you and I work with our clients. We don't sign them up for anything less than 12 months. Yes. Like, we, you and I could have a, a, a chat away from the show of why we should make that two years. Well, yes. But that's a chat for another day. It is a chat for another day, but you get what I'm, you, you get what I'm, what I'm driving at here, though. You look at our personal experience. Yes. You look at the best, the best client transformations we've been associated with they're not short term. Well, they're never short term. No. And you and we, you know, on another episode we can break that down even more in terms of just the time. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't it takes. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of yes, you are correct. A lot of people will just literally take twelve weeks to learn a new habit, one new habit. Well, so, well, actually, you know what? I'll actually add to that. It could just be twelve weeks just to have a routine in place. Well, that's a habit. Of, of, yeah, really, being isn't of it? being cons- you, you're, Yes, you're right. It could be twelve weeks to consistently get your training routine down pat. It, it 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 a lot of the time people will go twelve weeks and make no changes physically <laughs> because we just are trying to develop the habit of a routine yeah. that and constantly well, like you, consistently works. I me personally, and I don't know if you're the same with with our clients, but I always expect a client's first program with us to be a write off. It is. I mean, technically a write-off in terms of... We're not going to make massive changes. We're not making physical changes, but it's not a write-off in terms of everything else that is developed and and put in place in that first 12 weeks. So, yes, if you go into something with the mindset of, I'm going to achieve this in six months, you're not going to achieve it in six months. You're going to close. You're you're actually giving yourself six months, you're giving yourself three months. Yeah. Because the first 12 weeks... You're just trying to get shit sorted. Yeah, and then also what you're going to do is because of the unrealistic, unrealistic expectation, you're going to think you failed. 
and you're putting then a ton of pressure on that next 12 weeks because the first 12 weeks you feel like you haven't done anything. Yeah. Not in inverted commas, you haven't done anything yeah. because the numbers haven't changed. So I failed. But yeah. you've been making progress. Yep. But again, this just then flows on to not not recognizing wins along the way and it, yep. and it can just go on and on and on. But I think that that's the best takeaway from your your story is the time. And and I think also then along just along with the time before we wrap it up is just how much can change beyond what you think you're working towards. Yeah. So you think like my initial my initial two goals just not to be heavily obese and not to be a prisoner of the diabetes. And you look at all these other things that have changed mm. that they weren't the goal. But because I've had that approach of playing the long game, I've given myself a chance to reap whatever rewards and opportunities come along the way. Yes. And holy shit, has it worked out well? Because if I look back at where my life is now versus where it was like 15 years ago, like I, I actually can't fucking believe how different it is in a good way mm. and the improvements that I just would never have thought possible. Mm. But it's come about because I've been in it for the long haul. Mm. It's beautiful. I, I, I actually don't think you can explain it any better than that. Uh, I might drop. Perfect. So this has been Matt's Success Leaves Clues. Yeah, after after this, we delve into uh, the interviews. The interviews are the inter- coming oh, up. Wait, the interviews don't involve us talking no. to each other. <laughs> so the rest of the, the season. season from here on out are going to be an interview per week. Yep. With a different person. Who will bring something different to the table. Yes. Their different own backgrounds. Form, their, their own form of success. Different ways that they've lost their weight. Different backgrounds. Mental health. Different mental health. Male, female. It's all in there. And I think that even if you don't connect to the necessarily background of the person, their personal story, there's always, I've found in recording all these podcasts, there's something in everybody's story yes. that I can relate back to. 100%, there's as you would say, 100%. Yes. There's, a, there's um, a struggle or yep. there's a habit or there's a feeling that I think, oh, I felt that. And so there's always something I can take away, even if someone has had a completely different life history to me, coming about weight loss from a different place mm. or if they're a different gender. So I think that this season's going to be really eye-opening for everybody. So mm. I would definitely, couldn't recommend enough really listening to every interview in we'll, this season. We'll put it this way. I would say now that the uh, the first three episodes of this season is the warm-up or the entree. Yes. The main course gets served next week. Definitely. From there on out. So in saying that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Theweightlosspodcast.com is our, uh, not email, our website. Yeah, head to the website. And Matt's email address is matt at theweightlosspodcast.com well done boss so see you next week bye for now are you ready to share your success head over to our website for full access to our show notes resources based on today's topic and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals you can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com